Greetings! Welcome back! You came back? Um, if you didn't come back and this, you stumbled upon this video and this is the first one of these you've seen, please click here instead. That's the, uh, the whole playlist. Start with episode one of the Dhammapada. Just trust me. Uh, please. Anyway, I, I explain a lot more why you should do that usually at the beginning of the videos, but I'm trying to save some time. If you definitely are here for the Lotus Sutra, but you don't want to start with episode 13, click here. All right. Well, I'm going to try to do better this time. After all, if some of the later sutras are to be believed, if I expound upon this sutra in the wrong sort of way, I will definitely be incarnating into the Avicii Hells in my next life. And we wouldn't want that, would we? Well, maybe you might, but I, I don't. So, <clears throat> last time we learned that it's okay to lie uh, if it results in the person you're lying to indirectly ending up attaining nirvana. That's what it said, right? Am I misreading that? That, that is what it said, right? Um, and that even though there's different kinds of vehicles in the lie, that ultimately it's the great vehicle or bullock cart that everybody ends up in in the end because this is the Lotus Sutra and it's uh, early Mahayana. So it's sort of defining Mahayana right now. Um, and uh, when I say the Buddha is speaking, I'm not talking about literally the Buddha who walked on the earth in around 600 BC. I'm talking about the character called the Buddha as he is presented in the Lotus Sutra, where he says, remember when I said that thing? Uh, well, I changed my mind, and now I'm saying something else. And when I say Shariputra, I'm not literally talking about Shariputra, the cousin of the Buddha when he walked the earth. I'm talking about the character called Shariputra in this imagining. All right. So, so it's sort of, I mean, to, to give credit where credit is due, it's like an astral space, and, and it is, as I mentioned in episode 8, it is the uh, product of a lot of monks um, deciding and debating and having conversations and having realizations and having epiphanies over a period of about seven or 800 years, culminating in some or several of them sitting down and deciding that this ought to be written to update uh, the teachings of the Buddha in a similar way that uh, Joseph Smith updated the teachings of Christ. Which, if you're Mormon, that's a compliment. And if you're Mahayana, <clears throat> I mean it as a compliment. I'm doing my best here, so, so I'm going to come... I'm, I'm trying to come halfway, so... All right. I'm just... I'm going to be as honest as I can while at the same time <clears throat> doing my best to be respectful. I came from, uh, from an order where, what was the, uh, the advice given? Uh, cast not criticism upon uh, things that, that others consider sacred. Cast the not criticism or curses, right? And, uh, and, and definitely in, in Surya Gama Sutra, it specifically states that people who you know, contradict or, or say that the sutras are, 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 are a 
bunk or a bunch of hui, they will definitely end up in the Avicii Hills. And the people that uh, respect their positions will also go to the Avicii Hells with them. So, I don't know, you might just want to turn this off right now and find a proper monk. Again, I'm not a monk, I'm just a guy. I'm just coming from where I'm coming from with this. So, take it with a grain of salt. Take this with a grain of salt too. Okay, <clears throat> picking up right where we left off. The Buddha is talking to Shariputra. I'll behave. Now, <clears throat> now, Shariputra, even as that man with powerful arms, without using the strength of his arms, attracts his children out of the burning house by an able device and afterwards gives them magnificent great carts, great vehicles, if you will. All right. So, Shariputra, the Tathagata, the Arhat, possessed of knowledge and freedom from all hesitation, without using them in order to attract the creatures out of the triple world. That's past, present, and future. It's a nice turn of phrase, but people don't automatically know what the triple world means. But it's, I think we should just pause and take a moment to uh, appreciate that phrase, the triple world past, present, and future. Hmm. Okay, moving on. All right. Mm -hmm. uh, out of the triple world, which is like a burning house with decayed roof and shelter, shows by his knowledge of able vehicles, three vehicles, vis-a-vis -vis the vehicle of the disciples, the vehicle of the Pratyeka Buddhas, and the vehicle of the Bodhisattvas. Ah! Ah, okay, okay. I was wondering what these three vehicles were that he kept talking about. I was thinking that they were, since, you know, Hinayana is the slang term, the slur that Mahayana used for Theravada, meaning little vehicle. And Mahayana is, of course, the word they use for themselves. And then later on, Vajrayana was developed, which was, uh, you know, the lightning path, the lightning vehicle or the, the Thunderbolt vehicle. And then, uh, then Sutrayana is, I guess, what I'm doing, which is trying to get there by way of reading the sutras, which is a little bit of a derogatory term for people who aren't willing to submit to the guru in Vajrayana and uh, take the oath and all that good stuff. So, <sighs> a lot of bathwater. But I am going to find that baby if it's the last thing I do. I really like Dogen, but he's like way on the right side of that shelf. So I will definitely have a few more. I've got a few little white hairs that you probably can't see. This is getting very light and there's a little, little bit of white coming in here. So I might be full white, I mean hair wise, by the time we get to Dogen. But I, I enjoyed all four volumes of, uh, of Shobogenzo. And he talks about, when he expounds... When Dogen talks about the Lotus Sutra, I'm right there with him. When I'm reading the Lotus Sutra directly, I'm like, guys, uh, you know, so it'll be, it'll be nice to eventually get to Dogen. But we've got a long way to go before we get there. Anyway, 
All right. <clears throat> Magnificent great cars. So, Shariputra. Okay, skip. We, we did that already. So, the, uh, the vehicle of the disciples, the vehicle of the Pratyeka Buddhas, and the vehicle of the Bodhisattvas. Right? Maybe that'll make more sense with time. Just so you know, it doesn't completely make sense to me either. Except, well, I think the, the vehicle of the disciples, that refers to the arhats or the people who are uh, following the old, the old advice, the original advice that you might remember from the Dhammapada if you heard that part of the series. And then the bodhisattva are the people who take the vow, I will not attain enlightenment until every being in the entire universe, multiverse, attains enlightenment before me. And then the Pratyaka Buddhas, I don't know, maybe it'll make more sense later. Okay, comment below if you know what that means. Um, All right. You know, and I I know that there's people who, I've met them, you know, they just have like a, a glow and an aura about them when they talk about the Lotus Sutra, but they don't like then maybe they'll talk about this allegory of the three vehicles that the father who loves his children will tell them there's three vehicles, but really he's only going to give them one vehicle, but it's the best vehicle. And it's like, well, yeah, okay, it's a little bit of a lie, but it's, he's not going to burn in the Avicii hells for it, right? Always be careful of parables that lead you to the conclusion that it's okay to lie, in my opinion. In my opinion. But again, you know, I've met people who were like, the Lotus Sutra is my favorite sutra, or people who just accept it as dogma. This is what the Lotus Sutra says. This is what the Buddha said, obviously. So you're wrong, because what you're saying contradicts the Lotus Sutra. And um, I don't know. I'm not really doing this for anyone except for myself. Um, I'm discovering what my natural real-time response is, and doing so publicly um, to the words of these writings and these sutras. And uh, who knows, maybe I'll discover that I just don't resonate with Buddhism, I just thought I did because of the way my dad presented it to me as a kid. I, I liked the meditation, the meditative work that we did, where we would chant, uh, you know, Om, uh, Om, you know, and uh, he talked a lot about the chakras and this kind of thing. But I don't know. I, I do vaguely remember my dad talking about Mahayana in not the most flattering way. And uh, I'm reminded a little bit of Dogen talking about useless bags of skin in uh, certain temples that he visited in China before he discovered the Soto Temple of Chan, where he felt he was like, okay, this is Buddhism. Um, but he was talking more like, okay, this is original Buddhism. This is what the Buddha taught, not all this other stuff. But then he, since these sutras existed and people knew about them and studied them, they would, he would talk about them and he would analyze them and he would uh, not talk about it in a negative way, not like I am, uh, you know, criticizing the, uh, the timing of it and the, the, uh, the whoever wrote it and where they were coming from and why would they say this and what's the, you know, questioning the motives of uh, this kind of thing. 
even in Dhammapada, I got to that part where it was like, oh, the people who, who give gifts to the monks, oh, great blessings will come their way. It sounds like prosperity gospel to me. I don't know, you know. So, I mean, I, I'm not saying that Dhammapada was perfect either, but um, anyway, am I babbling too much? This isn't a repeat of episode eight. I'll try to stick to the reading. All right. <sighs> okay. By means of these three vehicles, he attracts the creatures and speaks to them thus. Do not delight in this triple world, which is like a burning house. In these miserable forms, sounds, odors, flavors, and contacts. For in delighting in this triple world, ye are burnt, heated, inflamed with the thirst inseparable from the pleasures of the five senses. Fly from this triple world. Betake yourselves to the three vehicles, the vehicle of the disciples, the vehicle of the Pratyaka Buddhas, the vehicle of the Bodhisattvas. I give you my pledge for it, that I shall give you these three vehicles. Make an effort to run out of this triple world, and to attract them, I say, these vehicles are grand, praised by the Aryas, and provided with most pleasant things which such you are to sport, play, and divert yourselves in a noble manner. Ye will feel of great delight of the faculties, powers, constituents of bodhi, meditations, the eight degrees of emancipation, self-concentration, and the results of self-concentration, and you will become greatly happy and cheerful. I mean, ultimately, what is the point, right? And it seems to me, you know, this is one of these bits where it seems to be getting back to the point, which is not about deer carts or ox carts or bullock carts or Mahayana or Hinayana or Theravada or history or whether or not the Buddha said these things while he was alive or if the, the, the monks who were trained by the monks who were trained by the monks who were trained, repeat that another hundred times, wrote this. Uh, the point is, yeah... It's, a, it's getting down to it. The point of meditation, the point of what is enlightenment, what is nirvana. Nirvana means to blow out. People say to blow out the candle of desire, but I like what Alan Watts said once, that it's, ah, it's a great relief to let go of all the stuff in the past, present, and future, to let go of worrying about the past, to let go of, you know, concern for the future. Now, of course, they set up the path of the monk, uh, of the ascetic, of the the one who renounces material things, um, which is kind of easy to do psychologically when you have material things, when you don't have to struggle day to day to feed your kids. You know, so it's like obnoxious to maybe hear someone who, you know, doesn't have to struggle day to day with these things talking about Buddhist philosophy. And I get that. Um, maybe it's a little more uh, palatable to hear someone who has renounced all these things and is living in a monastery and behaving, you know, living the monk lifestyle, um, talk in this way. A lot of the monks that I've met, um, well, through practice and through kind of sheer force of will, they get to that place. Um, 
there's a phenomenon where when there's a devoutly Buddhist family who has one son, that son will, of course, inherit the property or whatever and, and the name and continue on the family and, you know, they'll arrange a marriage for them and all of that. But if there's a second son, then they'll say, okay, well, the property and the titles and the name is going to go to the first son. So the second son, we're going to encourage with great force them to become a monk at about the age of 12. And so you see these young, young monks um, and uh, they go through puberty like everyone else. And, you know, you've probably seen the memes of the monk like looking at the, the woman, you know, beside him because they, they have these feelings too and they have to suppress them. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know if that's the best thing. You know, who am I to, who am I to, to like I said, cast criticism or... I'm just sort of thinking, analyzing, talking out loud. I have no answers. I'm just sort of reflecting on it all. But, but the path, the, the, the advice that's being given as far as approaching meditation, um, that it's not just about sitting and making your mind go blank. It's about untying the knots that bind you to things. And in the context of, now of course, if... I have a good friend uh, who I don't, he's probably not watching this, but if you are, hey man, I, was, I wasn't expecting you to be watching this. Um, but yeah, he's atheist and he doesn't think that, he thinks the lights go out permanently when he dies. You know what I mean? Uh, and yet he's Buddhist, Theravada Buddhist. But it's not about attaining something in order to break out of the wheel of reincarnation. It's about uh, attaining peace in this lifetime in order to better you know experience life and to better uh, to escape from the traps and the snares of life and that there is wisdom in um, how one approaches desire and attachment to avoid needless suffering in this life not it's not about where you're going to reincarnate next so there's that perspective. Um, but if you subscribe to the idea of the soul, which, I mean, depending on which school of thought of Buddhism you look at is kind of an interesting question. They, like I mentioned in uh, yesterday's reading that they use the word soul. And it's like, what word is that that they used? Because... I don't know, you know, is that, is that self? Is that, and if so, I guess uh, Madhyamaka hadn't come along yet. That was Nagarjuna asking the really deep, profound existential questions. So this was a few hundred years after Dhammapada, but a few hundred years before, at least a couple hundred years before Madhyamaka. So, uh, so it's not influenced at all by Madhyamaka, not asking those questions. Um, but yeah, as far as hungry ghosts, the, the ones that are, that can't get over the memory, that can't let go of the past, can't let go of their lives, can't let go of the, the things that they miss in their lives, but they, but they're gone. They, they left their bodies and so they wander and they haunt houses and things like this. 
Um, <clears throat> so kind of how to avoid becoming one of those or how to avoid being one of those while you're still alive. I mean, <clears throat> like the, the, the grandma that is always calling like, you never write to me, you never visit me, you never, you know, and it's like, can you just let go of me, grandma? Like, I can't live my life, I can't be psychologically uh, in, a, in a, any kind of pure state of mind with you constantly clinging like this, you know? So how to avoid being that grandma, becoming that grandma, how to avoid, um, you know, suffering too much when something precious breaks. It's, it's about coming to terms with impermanence. It's about um, being free from the, it's needless because it can be avoided, suffering which results from clinging and attachment to things that are temporal. And that this, these are profound ideas that, uh, you know, are found in certain uh, what they call Hindu philosophy these days, uh, Indian philosophy, and also in particular found in Buddhism. It's, it's just that in, in Mahayana and, and in Vajrayana, there's a lot of other stuff besides that core philosophy that is, in my estimation, the most useful and most uh, kind of the definition of, you know, I mean, be a good person, be, you know, yeah, like have good karma, don't be an asshole. If you, if you are mean to your neighbor, then you've kind of created a situation where you're attached to their reaction to your meanness. And then, you know, so it's good advice to like, be nice to your neighbor, but kind of de be detached a little bit, not like too nice, like clinging to being nice, like always going around, you know, it's fi finding that balance. It's all about balance, right? So, so I, I, you know, I don't mean to criticize Buddhism or the essence of Buddhism or the teachings of the Buddha. I just find myself a little bit um, irritated by what I perceive to be the unnecessary things that are around it in, you know, this is very long. I mean, Dhammapada was very short and to the point. This is like a lot. And some of it, I already know how it's been misused or misinterpreted or when it becomes a dogma, it, then it becomes a thing that someone is attached to, which is itself a self-contradictory thing, right? When someone can't let go of you know, something that the Buddha didn't actually say, that someone said he said later because they were trying to make a point and then the point got lost, but the attachment remained and became a dogma and became a religion that was, in, you know, forced by the community and by one's parents, like, you better learn this. And then, so there's never never a moment where, where such a person would question these things, but, you know, they go out and party at night and get drunk and forget about these things and then talk about how these things are boring. And then the next day, go back to the temple with their mom and, you know, devoutly pray, never once questioning these words or analyzing them. And is that useful? Is that what the Buddha would have wanted? You know, I mean, it seems to me in, in Dhammapada, he was saying, question these things. Don't just accept this. Question it. Right. And then it seems to me like when, when the Buddha in Lotus Sutra is telling Shariputra, have I not already told you this? You know, I'm going to lie to you and then I'm going to tell you why it's okay that I lied to you and then I'm going to ramble on a bit. I want to like this book and I'm going to continue to read it and, and I... 
It's a struggle. You're watching me struggle with this, and, and uh, I hope that you have sympathy. I mean, not sympathy, but I hope that you, have, uh, that you haven't completely written me off as, as a total piece of crap for, for not just approaching this with like a, I am privileged and, and, and honored to be able to read these words, you know. It's just not where I'm coming from. So, in the context of what he's saying about, you know, skillful means and all that, I guess I am one of these particular types of creatures. I'm not a Garuda, I'm not a serpent, I'm not a demon, but I am an Edward. And uh, so, so, so I'm trying to use skillful means on myself <laughs> to, to come around to, uh, to Nirvana, um, not really by way of these books, I mean, I, I'm more, more studying these books in order to be more familiar with the scriptures. For what reason? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I did a bit more talking in this one, didn't I? It tends to happen after the ones where I get grouchy and, and overcritical. All right. So, whoever this is that's watching this, why are you watching this? I don't know. I don't know. It's more for me than for you. There's plenty of other entertaining things out on YouTube, no doubt. All right. Okay. Did I lose my place completely? Mm, yeah, the pleasures and thirsts of the five. The uh, the vehicle I give you, the Prejyabeka Buddhas, the vehicle of the Bodhisattvas. I give you my pledge for it. We already read that. Okay. <clears throat> These vehicles are grand, praised by the Aryas. We already read that. Um, Ye will feel the great delight of the faculties, powers, constituents of Bodhi, meditations, the eight degrees of emancipation, self-concentration. We did already read that. And you will become greatly happy and cheerful. Oh, good. Oh, good. Eventually, hopefully. Maybe on page... We're on page 61 now. And there's how many pages? There's over 300 pages. So this is going to be a long series. All right. Now, Shariputra, the beings who have become wise have faith in the Tathagata, the father of the world. There's also the, the level where, you know, there's, there's theories that Mahayana was influenced by Christianity. Because by the time this was written down, Christianity, early Christianity, was kind of already in full swing. Um, the one or two hundreds, right? So this is before Constantine, but... Uh, after the, the Gospels had started really spreading. And there's elements of Christianity in it, I find. <clears throat> and maybe that's what annoys me, because, you know, familiarity breeds contempt, right? I grew up, you know, with that clingy grandma taking me to church as often as she could get away with. All right, so where are we? Mm-hmm. The father of the world, right? Since when is the Buddha the father of the world? Well, since Mahayana got started, I guess. And consequently, apply themselves to his commandments. Commandments, eh? Uh, among them, amongst them, there are some, and then they, they do the kajev just to like really drive home the point. It's like they, they want people, they want you know, Christians or formal, former Christians to feel as comfortable as possible coming into this philosophy. Wishing to follow the dictate of an authoritative voice, apply themselves to the commandment of the Tathagata to acquire the knowledge of the four great truths, 
for the sake of their own complete nirvana. These ones may say to be those who, coveting the vehicle of the disciples, fly from the triple world, just as some of the boys will fly from that burning house prompted by the desire of getting a cart yoked with deer. Hmm. So the deer cart is the disciple vehicle. Other beings desirous of the science without a master, of self-restraint and tranquility, apply themselves to the commandment of the Tathagata to learn to understand causes and effects for the sake of their own complete nirvana. These ones may say to be those who, coveting the vehicle of the Pratyeka Buddhas, fly from the triple world just as some of the boys fly from the burning house prompted by the desire of getting a cart yoked with goats. So the goat cart is, okay, the Pratyeka Buddhas, and he's defining it here as understanding causes and effects, more of a scientific understanding. Okay. Uh, How about the third one? Others, again, desirous of the knowledge of the all-knowing, the knowledge of the Buddha, the knowledge of the self-born one, the science without a master, apply themselves to the commandment of the Tathagata to learn to understand the knowledge, powers, and freedom from hesitation of the Tathagata for the sake of the common weal and happiness out of compassion to the world for the benefit Wheel. I'm just going to start saying wealth when it says wheel, W-E-A-L, unless that's a word I'm just unaware of. I'm going to assume it's a typo. Um, and happiness of the world at large, both gods and men for the sake of the complete nirvana of all beings. These ones, uh, these one may say to be those who, coveting the great vehicle, fly from the triple world. Therefore, they are called bodhisattvas, mahasattvas. They may be likened to those among the boys who have fled from the burning house, prompted by the desire of getting a cart yoked with bullocks. And if you remember, all three of them got the cart yoked with bullocks. This explanation actually is refreshing because I've I've heard this story uh, told to me, but never the breaking down of which cart is which. So the ones that, uh, like me, are really into the Dhammapada, they, they want the deer vehicle. The ones who also, a little bit like me, want to you know, understand the sciences, the causes and the effects, uh, want the goat vehicle. And then, but everybody's getting the bodhisattva vehicle. All right. Okay. Okay. I have a fondness for Avalokiteshvara. So, Chenrezig, uh, they call him in Tibet. So, I'll go, I'll go along with it. I'll go along with it. But I will say that it was something that was developed after the Buddha came and went. That doesn't mean it's without value. All right. Unless, you know, if we're fetishizing that individual, no, all the wisdom of Buddhism came from one guy named Siddhartha Gautama, and he was a king in Lumbini, and then he went to Bodhgaya, and these were his teachings, and if it didn't come from him, then it's not Buddhism. That's That's basically the Theravada point of view. And I can totally, obviously, understand that point of view. Um, But um, I'm going to do my best to shift into being open to a Mahayana point of view for the sake of reading this without just being a grouch the whole time like I have been recently. Um, We've gone over 30 minutes, so I'm going to go ahead and uh, end with that. Um, they may be likened to those among the boys. 
Yeah, okay. Uh, who have fled from the burning house prompted by the desire of getting a cart yoked with bullocks. So we got that explanation today. That's nice. And uh, also yesterday, when you know, my hair was a little frizzy, and you might have noticed it was like sticking out, and the lighting was screwed up. Also, I was sick. Um, when I when I started the reading, I was like, okay, I'm feeling a little funky. I get these little dizzy flashes, and I was having some stomach issues. But by the end of the reading, I was like ready. I needed to lay down. You know, I was like, I, I finished editing, and then I just laid down, and I had a fever, and Priel gave me medicine, and then I started sweating, and I won't, I'll spare you more details than that, but, um, yeah, so, so, yeah, I wasn't in the best place yesterday with episode 12, um, so, you know, if you're going along this ride with me, it's a bumpy ride, it's not a straightforward ride, I'm not the monk who's already, you know, understands these teachings and is going to impart them to you in a way that's going to help you along the path. It's a little different from that. Um, is it useful? I don't know. I, I'm uh, not intending to, to crap all over this teaching or, or all over Mahayana. Um, I'm, I'm doing my best. So I hope that, uh, I don't know, on whatever level you're enjoying or getting something out of this, Maybe, I don't know, who's, who's even watching this? I can't even imagine someone watching this, unless it's the future and I'm dead and, and you want to like go back and sentimentally go through and be like, oh, this is what he said back then when he was alive and you know, how people are when someone dies and suddenly it's like they're famous or something for a minute. They get their 15 minutes of fame finally. No. But uh, yeah, okay. So I've, I've rambled on enough. Uh, and as always, I will close with the prayer that my dad and I used to do when I was young. To the north and to the south, to the east and to the west, to the spirits of light among us and to the spirits below, we send out our reverent love and compassion. May all beings be happy. May all beings be serene. May all beings be in peace. Until next time, this is Confucius. Hopefully, he won't confuse us. Mm-hmm.